Third shout, the obligatory 10-second grace period to see if we go live. Um, yeah, I believe we have gone live. And if you're with us, we are welcoming you here uh, in the soft open, as I like to call it here, before we get into the hard open of this podcast. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but here, we're going. Hey everyone, Star Trek D Space Nine Season One, Episode 16, right? 16? Uh, or was it no episode. We, we gotta we gotta rename no, the no. the no, Lord rename third. this here in the thing. It's not, it's not 10. This is not right. Yeah. It's this is not right. Here, let's just we'll just do we'll do this. Like that that's much better. Episode sixteen, you're right. <laughs> episode sixteen, I got it right? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but not the title card. The title card was wrong. So episode sixteen, if wishes were ho- wishes, uh, if wishes were horses, is over, and has been since May sixteenth, nineteen ninety three. But we're here on Live Long and Podcast uh, on our three and a half year journey to uh, cover Star Trek: D Space Nine episode by episode, week by week. I'm Dave Mater here on Live Long and Podcast. Uh, we're streaming here live on Facebook and on YouTube at the same time. The dream is alive. Last week the dream was dead. This week, the dream is alive. We are over a minute and a half, and this is real. And uh, if we're, we're, we're welcoming you. And if you're listening to us on the audio uh, version, uh, whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, uh, well, uh, we're, we're glad to have you with us. And we're here to talk about if wishes were horses. Introducing, well, first, I think we're going to introduce the birthday boy, Jamil oh, Robinson. How are you doing? I'm still here. It's been a rough He's day. still here. He's made it. <laughs> You made it. Uh, we got uh, joining us uh, in the bottom right-hand corner, uh, my brother, Jeff Mater. How are you doing? Listen, Pally, happy birthday. <laughs> my best Vic Fontaine. We're not there yet, but we'll get there. <laughs> and also with us uh, are Kevin and Ashley Millard uh, uh, joining us from the, from the bedroom. How are you doing? Good. Millard Manor. From Millard from, Manor. From Millard Manor. <laughs> Yes. From the bedroom. Could that have been more seductive? <laughs> from the bedroom. <laughs> from their quarters. It's being weird today. Yeah, I'm being weird today. I had a yeah. I mean, I, sometimes I'm in one of those moods, you know. I have a new uh, Jeff. Did you see my? You saw it, right? The the, the cape. No. Okay. <laughs> no. I have a cape now on my chair. Okay. I thought it was Are like you, Jay. Oh. Oh. No, I didn't okay. See that. It was probably there. I never saw it though. No, I thought new. it was. I thought it was like a cape. Jane comes in at the end of the podcast, like you're James Brown, and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> no more podcast. It's a chair cape. It's a chair yeah. cape. That's what you do when you sign up. You just you just stroll out of the the, the room, the command center. Yeah, right here. Uh, that's right. Well, it's just a new embellishment. You're really gonna like it when you get it. Okay, so we're here to talk about if wishes were horses, uh, which is the episode where imagination runs wild. And um, I have a few things I think we need to break down about this episode. But just overall, do we like this episode? Uh, let's just go clockwise. Millard's first. I like I like uh, Bashir's Dax in this episode. Like his fantasy of his what fantasy the, Dax, yeah. his fantasy of Jedzer Dax, which is just a submissive um, sort of. She's just in love yeah. with him, right? Yeah. This this episode is it's. One of those Deep Space Nine episodes that's kind of quirky and fun, but it's also kind of like um, it's kind of recycled from original series from Spectre of the Gun, 
where they have to they have to per, or be sure that things aren't real like things are only real if they believe they're real right yeah no I, it, yeah and just in terms of like yeah, the other lesson but overall the thumbs up it's fine in terms yeah. of like the story yeah. and sort yeah. of what it's what, fine what we get out of it jeff yeah. it's not the worst one uh it, i enjoy the episode it's entertaining uh there are a few moments in the episode that i just find like awkwardly hilarious uh like especially with o'brien and kaiko at the beginning when she's like now then should i'll tuck you into with a bedtime story she goes mm, only if you're the one who tucks me in. and he goes mm, naturally like just the way he, <laughs> just the way he he delivered that line mm, naturally i was like what the fuck who talks like that <laughs> <laughs> So that that part of, oh, makes me laugh every time I watch it. The rumple stilt skin. It's like, sweetheart, you're insane. That was just make believe, you know. So that, all all the stuff with O'Brien and Kaiko and stuff makes me laugh. Um, the baseball stuff I don't think lands as well as they wanted it to. Yeah. And I, I wish it had too, but it just doesn't land for me. And, and but yeah, the Dax and Bisher stuff's hilarious. I mean, you can't. It's awesome. The Buck, the Buck Bokai stuff and all that. Bokai. Okay, and yeah. Jamil, do you like this episode? <sighs> As the resident person that loves hilarity, um, it was kind of low on hilarity for me. Low, but low. yeah, low, low on the hilarity scale. I did like uh, the Dax Bashir whole situation, uh, mostly because of what we um, talked about last week concerning uh, Dax being a freak. So... Yeah. Um, <laughs> just like, imagine she's seeing this like idealized um, version of herself, and she's like, "Oh, I'm I'm way more freaky than this." Uh, that's what I, I had in my head. What if you yeah. met someone like if you met somebody's fantasy of you, right? Uh, that walked into the same room and they seem like a flesh and blood person. They were like they, they were identical to you, and just other than in the way they behave. Would you be threatened by this person? Would you want to be friends with this person, or would you be indifferent? Right on. I was like, go ahead. Have Adam. Go go get him. <laughs> so you wouldn't be offended necessarily. Depending not on, really. Well, I, guess depend, I guess depending on how this, that, that, that uh, she's not She's not offended really with with the Dax. She's more offended with Bashir. She's like, this is what you want me to be. She keeps kind of saying that to him throughout the episode. She's like, you want me to be like this passive, like, like do whatever you want person like and, and like but so she's she, kind of uh, smirking while she's talking about it and then she's like um the the ideal dax says um well at least i'm not a cold fish and dax just kind of <laughs>, laughs and it was like what we talked about last episode dax is uh <laughs> dax is Dax is getting not, around. She's not a cold fish. She, she <laughs> wanted to bang Morn. <laughs> she just doesn't want to bang Bashir. Yeah, he's yeah. the only one on the station that she doesn't want to bang. <laughs> she goes I, I, to dinner with him knowing how he feels about her. And it, it, so she's just kind of like pulling the, pulling the screw. So I think she's like, you know, turn around is fair play. <laughs> and, then, and then he admits his feelings, and she just just friend zones him immediately. Yeah, he just dies. He's just like, oh my god! Yeah. Oh, no. oh, it's so great. <laughs> but it's true though. He, he has to realize that. Congratulations, you like her. 
that doesn't mean that she's obligated to like you back. Okay. Yeah. So. My, my question, for, my next question for the panel is, uh, who? What, okay, which um, which character? And we've kind of been talking about this a little bit already, but which uh, which of the regulars uh, do you think stands out in this episode the most? Dax. <laughs> I would say Dax has the most fun with with the role, but I also think Bashir stands out a lot in this episode as well. Yeah, uh, Millards, do you, you have a take? I like, I do. I like Bashir in this episode a lot. I think he. The acting from him in this episode was superb. Superb. I think, okay, for my personal favorite in this episode was Odo. I thought he was amazing in this episode. I I thought he was incredibly funny. Uh, Him and Quark, it was more Odo Quark. We've been getting it, we've been peppered with it all first season. It will continue. It is, it's in the DNA of the show. It's like, yeah. They always knew they were going to have this kind of thing, and they they lean into it hard. And he uh, stands like, out, and yet he still he only he spent half the episode chasing a bird. Yeah, <laughs> he's chasing a bird. It's snowing on the promenade at one point. We're looking at five or six centimeters down here. <laughs> Metric system. I love I love yeah, how I, he's like the weatherman. Yeah, he's like he has no imagination. His only imagination was um, putting cork in jail. Putting cork in jail. That was his. That was his dream. Was you know, if, if he had one, <laughs> you know? he seemed quite satisfied with it. He's like, yeah, I would. I would imagine that. Yeah. yeah. No imagination, indeed. I love how he does the ha. Huh. <laughs> if I if we ever do well, okay, what if I, I, I one day I will get to play Odo at Star Trek Radio Theater and I am going to give you that. I, I'm gonna I lay like into I could, it. I'm gonna lay into it. I'm throwing I'm saying it. Too many people dream of places they'll never go, wish for things they'll never have, instead of paying adequate attention to their real lives. <laughs> you know, tell how it is, Odo. That's well. That's very true for today. I mean, yes. every, everybody is distracted with everything today, and nobody really pays attention to their own life. Wants to comment on everybody else's life and what they're doing. Uh, I mean, uh, Star Trek does this very well. Where even in a silly episode like this, they make a very serious point, and for a very foreshadowing point. I mean, as well. I feel like. Yeah, well, it's all about people. They have hollow tweets, right? And it was whether or not, like, Jake was going to, you know, uh, do pornographic things in the <laughs> hollow tweet or not. Like, Odo was, he better not be. I will arrest you if if he's going in there to, you know, uh, do whatever. No, he, oh, he goes in there and he does, um, uh, you know, baseball. He watches baseball. Plays baseball. Sure he does. He's already watching out for Jake because in, like, a season and a half, he's dating a 20-year-old at 16. So, <laughs> well, yeah, like it, it's not, it wasn't, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not getting into that now, but <laughs> we'll get into that in a while. We'll get into that in a while. I'll, I gotta work up to we'll that. We'll circle back around to it. Yeah. <laughs> this, this particular Jake, yeah, no, uh, um, jump to and, Jake, yeah, I think Quark's funny in this episode, but not amazingly, though. I think Odo just really stands out more so than Quark does. Uh, he, Quark does his job adequately. Um, and then, okay, there's the whole scene where they have to, like, this is, I think, the first episode, maybe one of the first episodes since the pilot, where the five or six main officers, like, the at least the five who work in ops, like Cisco, Kira, Bashir, Dax, and O'Brien. 
So Brian's been out most a lot of the season, and usually these characters are split up in different places, but they're all kind of in ops trying to solve this thing together. Yeah. And uh, so there was one thing. Yeah, they all like sit around uh, like Cisco's office, right? Like just like on the chairs. I can bring it up in a visual, but which was interesting because they don't have like the meeting rooms that they'll have like later on. Because later on they ha- they they just build a big conference room that they'll usually have these types of right. The the war room. It looks really strange. Um, and the other thing too with it was just Kira to me was like in this episode where there was all this the science talk, right? Especially in Ops, and she's like, I don't know, like, <laughs> <laughs> tell me what to whatever. Block. Um, I'm a Bajoran administrator. <laughs> I'm a Bajoran administrator. I didn't sign up for this, and she's oh, like, she can, if it's weapons related or engineering related, she can handle it. But if it's anything like, I don't know, there's a phenomenon, an anomaly out there. She's like, yeah. At the beginning, they're like, uh, Dax, can you give us the details? Because that's your job. I'm like, wait a color out there. Like, just wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so true. I think uh, it's it's funny. Yeah, like Kira's like, if I'm not hitting somebody in the face, I got nothing to offer. And then, <laughs> you, know, you know, she's like, I really like the hit Rumpelstiltskin in the face, but I mean, Dax, well, you... Kira didn't have a fantasy, right? She didn't have like an avatar. I don't think blowing so. up with the pylon. Yeah. Oh the, yeah. At the end, the. Pylon one being destroyed, one and the flaming destroyed. dude. Oh, the flaming dude! I was gonna pull that sound. Yeah, so now, if that was Quark, it wouldn't make sense. But she imagines destruction. Yes. Which is, you know, appropriate for her character. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. What an episode! <laughs> so, Bashir having his sex dream. On the table, he does medical exams on, like, he's just, you know, going to town on himself, you know, yeah. <laughs> enjoying some alone time. I'm like, uh, what? A, he has to look after someone later on? That is um, weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he couldn't go to his own bed. Like, he was yeah, sleeping on the job, basically. I, I kind of want to talk about each of their respective fantasies. Like, there's Bashir's fantasy, Cisco's. Like, uh, Dax doesn't have one, does she? <laughs> um, no. Oh, no, no, hers, which is no hers, hers is the anomaly itself. Hmm. Dax is, yes, is the anomaly yes, itself. Yes. So, with right. Bashir, specifically, his first reaction when uh, Dax comes on to him is she must be sick right yeah. not that not that she likes him oh she's i gotta use a, a tricorder to check to see if she's under the influence right that's the only way so even himself deep down he thinks that he can't get with her well because she had just friend zoned him mm-hmm. just she had before so she's just being coy that's what <laughs> <laughs> this was a long this was the long you know game here he needed to uh ask her out a hundred times before she would say yes that was kind of the there's the they have family matters in the in star trek right they've seen urkel's move he wore lauren down eventually yeah persistence yeah. Just be persistent. Well, that's what Bashir did to uh, O'Brien. Yeah. yeah. Now they're friends. <laughs> exactly. 
uh, I, I also yeah, think I, it's I, kind of funny that like Dax is like kind of saying like, oh, you know, I think I feel kind of bad. I feel like we're invading your privacy. And then like, like literally a second later, she's all pissed off at him, you know, <laughs> for what her counterpart is doing and saying. It's hilarious. Yeah. I think she was like a gape. She was like, really? This is what you think is the ideal version <laughs> of me? Like that? That's kind of. I would understand that because she keeps putting him in the friend zone. You're, you're, you know, wouldn't you want the the more submissive, like, to, you know, well, I guess it's a power want. fantasy for him. Yeah, exactly, right? Because he keeps getting friend zoned, and like, makes sense, like that he would that he would feel that. Right. Way. I think this is very relatable. Like any guy has a fantasy or a crush or whatever. I think this like that makes sense. But I, I don't know if I, 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 I don't, it, the whole thing never really worked for me. Right, like with with um, Bashir and Jadzir, um, because of course they're not they don't have the right chemistry to be like they're not like they're not Sam and Diane they're not a will they won't they thing like they they no, they, they are a, they, they shouldn't they, they definitely won't. should not won't they won't they won't they yeah won't they, I hope they better not is is really what it really was to me you know from the first episode you know never gonna happen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's and, like it's like they did screen tests with them. They're like no chemistry, so we have to write this into the story, and, you know, like into the whole thing, right? Because they were like they were they were starting to get more into this in terms of like pairing up Star Trek characters and romances. Because the original series did this with you know more of the secondary characters, like you know we watched the um, the uh, the episode the what was it called the, the balance of terror, terror where uh where you know they, they have the wedding at the beginning and stuff uh and we at the beginning of this episode o'brien and keiko's daughter molly she's like the first offspring of two star trek characters really um like regular characters okay I'm not calling um counting alexander alexander yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's for you jody i forgot <laughs> I, I guess alexander's born before Molly, yeah. yeah, that's what yeah. we have. We have to get that on soundbite, Alexander. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> whenever, whenever Alexander comes up, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay, yeah. So he's he, yeah. But I guess it was more of a thing. So Brian and Keiko, they came from TNG. They came over yeah. here. They're with a with a kid, right? Because they was born on the Enterprise. Um, and so there was so there. I guess there was more of this soap opera aspect to all three. I guess through the Berman era, right, of all yeah. of the shows. Like they were, remember they were trying to pair up Troy and Worf and TNG at the end. Yeah, yeah. Zaddy too. Obviously, obviously Bellana, obviously Riker Paris. and Troy, and there's and Bellana and Tom Paris, and it goes on and on. There's tons of this, right? Uh, but Harry I was Kim always and... like, oh, and that's no, why Harry... I'm kind of disappointed. I, you're not at the end of D Space Nine yet, but um... Seven of Nine and that guy in Unimatrix Zero One. So Harry Kim is like Bashir, early Bashir. Yeah, or like Jordy. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah, I guess like Jordy. <laughs> Only time he gets some is like a hologram. <laughs> right. you cool it, Leak. I don't think this hologram's gonna work. <laughs> That's just, you're reprising Jordy again. Computer and program. Oh shit! A cool it, Leak. <laughs> cool it, Leak. <laughs> So which is more embarrassing, this uh, Julian getting exposed by Dax, or um, I forget the doctor that um, Jordy had the the simulation with. Hey, Abram. Hey, Abram. Yes. <laughs> which one's more embarrassing? 
probably Leah Brahms because at least Dax is is friends with Bashir. Yeah. And that was the first Whereas, time Jordan yeah, was actually meeting her. Yeah. <laughs> Comes on yeah. and she's like, you have this fucking hollow program of me that you've fallen in love with. But Dax is at least like, ah, you're thinking of that's hilarious. Like Dax would find it funny. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think and, Jordan. Yeah. And like it, it, Jordy's more sad. It's like just sad that he would do that. You know, whereas Bashir is like, you know, just normal kind of like that's what guys will, you know, will fantasize, right? And like I'm sure she has like, Dax has fantasies that just didn't come up, right? Like, um, you know, so like if she if her fantasy with Morn came up in this episode, that would have to me that would have been like gold. They should have she pulls out a hair from her mouth. Hair. <laughs> I bet they pitched it to the writer's room, and they're like, we can't. This is the family show. And, you know, it's just... That would be great. It would be too distracting if, if this... There should have been a comment. It's like, oh, you guys are lucky that none of my fantasies came to life. Yeah. <laughs> you guys would need a definite mop. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, can we... Okay, uh, O'Brien. The rumple still skin. Can we talk about him? Why is he telling such a scary story to Molly at that age? Well, I, mean, I remember watching this, and Rumpelstiltskin's a, a story I did grow up with. Like, but I hadn't forgotten it because it's like so old. Like, most of fairy tales are messed up, right? Yeah. Like they come from yeah. like a really dark story, like especially like Rumpelstiltskin or Hansel and Gretel or any of those type of uh, fairy tales. Which is funny that they're still telling them in you know the 24th century or whatever it is. And what? uh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say, like, it's weird that they they they, they tell that story, and with Rumpelstiltskin, it's I don't know, it's just like kind of like to get the kid engaged. That seemed like the only reason to tell it. What did they expect was gonna happen after that story was being told? Because they left her, she was still awake, and then right out the door, they're like, Hey, we're gonna get some. It's like she's coming right. out of that bed, like, oh, she's. Oh. <laughs> All I have to say about that, though, is when she comes out and she says, Rumpelstiltskin is in my room, why do they not immediately go into the room, given the lives that they lead? <laughs> they really should. They really should take everything everybody says seriously. Because <laughs> anything could happen anytime. Yeah. Mm. Okay, that's the thing. It's like they have to be skeptics and scientists, and they have to also balance this with this world where... Literally, like Q could show up, and they could all be like doing a like a like a dance or something, or they could be in Robin Hood, or anything could be happening anytime. Anything could show up. Um, like I don't know how how you you could even stay sane in that kind of like, like environment. Kato is the last one to believe that something weird would happen. She turned into a child one time, like she. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. It's like oh, anything can happen because once I became an eleven-year-old, like yeah, her whole job is just to catalog trees. Right? I love the, way, the way she looks at O'Brien, she's like, "What is going on here, uh, Chief uh, or Miles?" And Miles just Miles. Goes, Miles, get out of here! Get get the get Molly and go. Just go. There's a crazy little dwarf in our apartment. <laughs> where did she go? Yeah, like I don't know who plays that guy, uh, the Rumpelstiltskin. I thought he did a good job of trying yeah, I... to be that character. Sure. Uh, oh, for sure. Okay, it but like an odd choice for Star Trek. 
Michael John Anderson is his name, and he's been. I don't know. He was in Mulholland Drive and Twin Peaks and a bunch of stuff. Um, but oh, he's the little guy in Twin Peaks. Yeah, he's freaky in that. <laughs> um, yeah, and the third fantasy is Cisco and Buck Bokai. <laughs> um, yeah. Who is Wu from Men in Black Three? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was Wu from Survivor, but no. <laughs> okay, so Kevin, I know you don't like baseball, really. No, right? I don't at all. So, are you just glad that Buck Bokai represents the extinction of baseball? He's kind of like the dinosaur of from I the actually, baseball. I did like when they were talking about how baseball died, and I was like, <laughs> and there was only three hundred fans. Stopped caring. Everyone yeah, stopped caring. There was only 300 fans at the last game, and Cisco's like, yeah. 301. That is impossible. <laughs> I can't imagine a future where nobody wants to go watch baseball. We're like, living it. There's nobody there, Dave. There's nobody watching baseball right now. Well, imagine, because of pandemic uh, restrictions. Right, right but um, imagine the pandemic lasts for five years. Maybe people's like interest, they move interest. on to other things. Like, yeah. I guess, I guess like society and culture could change. Because as they say in start, uh, they t- I think they started in the next generation where they said like yeah people moved, just moved on to faster games like Parisi squares whatever that is, and, um, you know three dimensional chess anything's faster than baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yes. right. I mean, lots of sports that hundreds of years ago everyone went to and loved and is no longer a thing. Yeah. So Naked it's wrestling. possible that the sports we like now will not be a thing in three, four hundred years. It's no chula. <laughs> no chula. I am Grandmaster of the Wari. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I can chop. Move along home. Just oh. that, how I had to say that over and over again. And that, oh, God. And that, and that, okay. oh. <laughs> Captain. It's a, it's a work of art. It really is. It's a, it's a fantastic reinterpretation. I, I really like the. We're talking about Star Trek Radio Theater, if you're not following us. Please go back and uh, listen to it if you missed it. Yeah, Star Trek Radio Theater, we did Move Along Home, if you don't know. and uh, It should net out. you a Webby. It should. It's, it is a gem. It's a gem. The edited version, especially. But yes, um, yeah, I really love it. I'm, I'm anyway, camp- the campaign starts now. I would love to do that. I think this episode not as good as, as as Move Along Home to do, but I think this one would be fun just because it's got some interesting characters. But whoever got Dax would have a would have a field day. Yeah. Julian, you got to play the two sides of Dax, the two versions. Yeah, right. That would be really fun. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be something else. Also, I think if you ever got to play Kirk, like evil Kirk and good Kirk in that one where he got split into two guys. You know, oh, you guys yeah. yeah, yeah. You know that one? Yeah, one with Kirk. the dog with the horn. Yeah, the dog with the <laughs> horn. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Um I think that's all the fantasies, right? Oh, and the the final fantasy, I guess, is Dax's, right? Which is the the rift. Anomaly, yeah. The anomaly, the thing that's gonna destroy them all. It's gonna destroy Which... the entire solar system. Which I didn't understand. Like, if there was such a situation that could happen, why wasn't Starfleet or the Bajoran government made aware of it at all? Uh, I 
they may have. They just didn't make it into the story um, for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that is- <laughs> yeah, that's well, fan I- fiction. Rob would say that's fan fiction. Rob would say- Cisco needed well, to talk to Buck Bokai about baseball. I mean, we needed that. <laughs> we needed that scene. Yeah. Uh, do you? Does anyone else like? I do you like that aspect of Cisco's character, the whole baseball thing? Yeah. I don't yeah. For me, for me, it shows that he's like a historian of of humanity and of Earth, and yeah, because that does come up in later episodes. It's fine. They don't he do knows, it. He knows like random history yeah. points. Yeah. They they do it enough, but not too much. It's, it could have gone too far, but they didn't. Cisco is my favorite captain because he is the historian of the four captains. He's the one that, to me, knows history the most. Earth, Earth's history, for me, like yeah. uh, uh, far back Earth history too. Yes, yes, like yeah. yeah, like he'll know what happened in the 20th century, 19th century, 18th century. He'll know what you know. He knows what happened in the 21st century. Whereas, like, I find like a oh, Picard is like more like the actually most more philosopher. He's a Renaissance man. Yeah. Kirk is obviously like just like a, <laughs> like a wild cowboy. I mean, that's who he is. Yeah. And and then Kirk, uh, Kirk's like an Janeway American. That in too. Janeway's a little different. Janeway's kind of more of a historian of like the modern Star Trek universe. She's a scientist too, more of a scientist. a scientist. And she's from the Midwest. <laughs> okay. So she's a little. I don't know what that means. Like I know what it means, but I. I don't know what I don't, you don't know what that means coming out of Dave's mouth. Is what you're I, I find that he uses baseball as the lens in which he he conveys history, um, and and in some points, and he doesn't like browbeat people. If like every single episode was like, well, in baseball, you'd be like, Cisco, shut up, please, yeah. I don't want to hear about it. Right, um, they pepper it through throughout the series, so that's at least very good. Um, I don't know. I just, I just find it grounds him and it gives him uh, like a character trait that you immediately are aware of, and it's it's something that you can. If a baseball comes, he's just concentrating, rolling a ball. It makes sense. Just like Picard was yeah. drinking tea, reading a book. It's just how they unwind. Yeah, yeah I like the baseball on his desk. And the way they use that in future episodes, yeah. But right. eh, like, uh, the baseball uh, stuff is—it's fine, I guess. Yeah, what? <laughs> what? I was like, who's who's attacking Jeff? Uh, now just imagine if Picard was playing a flute in every episode. Exactly. <laughs> I love the flute. Or, or we're talking about wine. You know, I was getting people to clink wine glasses all the time. Oh my god, it would be so annoying. Okay, let's get uh, let's talk um, ratings for this episode. All right, what about fun facts? We're not doing fun facts. Oh, okay, well, yeah, okay, get, go fun facts. I'll get this ready. There's not a lot of fun facts. Okay, what? There's a few. Uh, Chief O'Brien's fantasy was going to be a leprechaun, but Colmini <laughs> refused to give in to the cliches about his Irish heritage. He remembered his, his irritation with the portrayal of Irish people in Star Trek The Next Generation up the long ladder, 1989, but now had to insist on script changes, so he had the creature changed to the German imp Rumpelstiltskin. 
This recalls a change to one of the first Trek productions, Star Trek The Naked Time, where George Takei, wishing to avoid cliches about the Japanese, insisted that Sulu's alternate personality be changed from a samurai to a Frenchman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right on. That was a long um, fun fact, but... That's actually interesting because I thought the exact same thing when he was doing the Rumpelstiltskin thing. I'm like, why is he... He's super Irish. Why is he reading his daughter <laughs> German... Yeah, when, when you played O'Brien uh, in Trials and Tribulations, you did him with a, uh, an Irish accent. Like, yes, Irish. I know I did. Yeah, so if he, if, I think if Cole Meany heard your performance, he would likely not like it. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. I hit you with a potato. Yeah, <laughs> throw a potato at you. He beat me with a hurling stick. Oh. And then he take all your lucky you. charms. Cole Meany does have an Irish accent. Yes. Yeah, more, he more hides it. Though. He Americanizes it. It's not an It's not a leprechaun accent. No, he's not talking about everyone always being after his charm. And Julia Bashir doesn't sound like a beetle, but it's funnier <laughs> when he, when he does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's, 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 it's not about. Sounds like a different beetle on Xanax. On Xanax. Oh. version. The title is based on the Scottish proverb, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. Meaning what? Alibaree! Um, <laughs> Alibaree! I think it means, like, all right, so if you if you wished for horses, then, like, that's not realistic. Beggars would ride. Like, you know, like, it's not realistic. Yeah, if, if wishes really existed, then the yeah. people who were wishing for it would constantly be going after it. Bokai's line, it ain't over till it's over, is a quotation of famous New York Yankees catcher Yogi Berra, who was referring to the 1973 pennant race. Berra, famously for his malaprophisms and quirky sayings, was also famous for having having claimed, I didn't really say everything I said. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Cole Meany reflected that the episode was very difficult to shoot because we had the appearing and the disappearing. The guy who played Rumpelstiltskin would appear to be behind my back, sitting on a console, but I had to play it in a completely opposite direction. So he spoke from behind me, but I played the response in front of me. Then we had to reverse it and shoot the other way. It was very complicated, but it came out well. Okay. He seems fairly positive about it. Cole Meany. I should have done that in an Irish accent. would have been funnier. The baseball, <laughs> which Cisco keeps on his desk for the remainder of the series, is a memento of this episode given to him by the alien who impersonated Bokai. So this is where it all starts. Uh, Keon Young, who appears in this episode, was first mentioned, although by not, not by name, in the Next Generation episode, The Big Goodbye. I didn't know that. Uh, the Gunchy Jackdaw, which appears on the Promenade, was played by an emu. It is only, it is the only appearance of an emu on Star Trek. <laughs> be difficult. That is a fun fact, Jeff. They they proved to be difficult to receive directions. So one of the traders was dressed as a Bajoran monk. <laughs> what? <laughs> because because the emus, of course, they they will always follow a monk. <laughs> Part of the training in the Bajoran monasteries. 
Uh, <laughs> I wonder vision. if that emu has ever appeared at any conventions. Okay. Uh, again, back to the big goodbye. This episode and the big goodbye have a lot of um, similarities because uh, in that episode, they, they mentioned, they don't mention Buck Buck Guy by name, but they mentioned somebody breaking Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak. Uh, in that episode, so interesting there. Armin Shimmerin especially enjoyed the scene with Cork's imaginary woman. Of course he did. What a- <laughs> <laughs> he got to re- he got to reshoot over and over, walking down stairs with two ladies on his arms. I mean, what's there not to like? <laughs> One of the ladies Cork imagines seems to have a tribal heart tattoo on her right shoulder that is poorly covered up. Yeah. Notable among the many imaginary fantasy characters to come to life in this episode is German and Purple Stiltskin. Although not appearing in this episode, Max Grodenchik, who plays Cork's brother Rom on the series, would later play the title role in a horror film, Rumpelstiltskin. So Rom ended up becoming Rumpelstiltskin in 1995, <laughs> two years later. This pro is... Uh, okay, we don't need to do that one. Uh, all right, and finally, last fun fact. Norman Large, who plays the role of Romulan Criminal Uncredited, also played Romulan Criminal Uncredited in Deep Space Nine Vortex, um, Corhuban Captain in Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine Duet, Maquis in Star Trek Graduation, uh, Ocampa, he was in everything, this guy, apparently. So I don't when know. When you done, oh. I played Romulan Criminal, Unnamed Criminal in this series, and then I reprised uh, as a new Romulan Unnamed Criminal in this series. That's right. That's right. He was in everything. He was he was even in Voyager everything. So that, that was that, that's it for fun facts with Jeff. Bum, nice. bum, bum, dun, dun, dun. Okay. So if wishes were horses, uh let's start with Kevin. I'm gonna give this a three. Solid <laughs> <laughs> a three. Holy three. Wow. Yeah, okay. I, I realized talking about it that there's some funny stuff, but really nothing happens and I don't care about any of it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm with a leprechaun. Uh, Ashley? It's stuff that we do. I give it a five. A five? Okay. Um, all right. Like now I need to change Move Along Home because I enjoy it so much. Camille? More. Yes. Uh, it is a five. It ties with the lowest mark I've ever given something. You only get, you no, you gave a three to something to Vortex. And you gave oh, a yeah, five Vor- point five. Yeah, Vortex is pretty terrible. Sorry, yeah, five. It's five. You gave it's a man alone than- five as well. Uh, yeah. Jeff? I'm going to give it a four. It's it's just one point better than Move Along Home. Oh. I don't need to come back to this episode anytime soon. That's for sure. I'll give it a six. Okay, so... Uh, that takes us. That averages it out at four point six. That is among. That is a. That is one of the worst we've ever had. Um, and I don't feel like we hated it that much. I think we were just like not inspired enough to like it. It seems like. Um, it's, you know, there's so much better. And... We think. It, we, well, we kind of. We kind of put it in the same. Because we gave Move Along Home a four point seven at the time, which remember. it should be substantially yeah. higher. Yeah, I yeah. think after doing the after watching it multiple times and doing the script and stuff, I like Move Along Home a lot better than the first time I watched it. Do you want to revise your score? Yeah, I'd give it a I give it a six point five. Mm. Yeah. All right, I'll Everyone switch to the same option. I'll switch yeah. it to a five, Dave. What did I right. give it? A five. You gave it a five. I think I'll stick with five. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And uh, um, we did, I'd give a 10, but that a five. Five. No, choose no, your no, path. No, no, no. 
God, such a good. I'll watch rewatch that episode so many times. Yeah, but I'll rewatch it because I'll hear everybody else's voices. <laughs> Double I, I'm, I'm, I'm upgraded to a to a seven now, so it's uh, it's not so bad. Jamil, See, I would wanna... agree with that. I would agree with that average. That average yeah, seems about. Yeah. It is on IMDb a six point oh. Yeah, it's go. exactly kind of what it should be. Oh, and by the way, if Wishes Were Horses had a six point nine, almost a seven, so I like uh, more. I don't. 6.5 on IMDb. Wow, that's 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 way too high. So coming up next week, we got The Forsaken, which is the Waxana Troy episode where Waxana is trying to bang Odo the whole time. That's yeah. their first episode. That's where they meet. Um, is they okay? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to watching that actually because it's it's one of the more memorable season one episodes I think because it was a character I knew at the time. Yeah, well, yeah. It's uh, I guess it's about what it's like to be a cougar. That's kind of. <laughs> well, isn't Dax technically the like the cougiest cougar that there is? Kind of. She's That's kind right. of. She's yeah. Seven, I think. Yeah, but she's also like. Oh yeah, she's years also three hundred. Yeah, she's also like yeah, like a slug. So as well, so you have to consider okay. that. I thought you said something totally different. Yeah, I didn't. I, it took a minute to process in my brain that he said slug. Slug. Oh yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm, I said slug. I said slug. Slug. Okay. There was a G um, on the end of that word. Yeah. They never. They never attempted anything with Dax and Otto because I would have figured she would have, you know, possibly try to make a go. He's a fascinating person. I know. Yeah. It seemed like Jed Zia needed like a real like wharf type manly man, and Bashir was never gonna fill that void. No, I mean like Odo. <laughs> oh, like Odo. The void. Yeah. I like how you called it the void. <laughs> <laughs> the void. Um, where was I going with this? Okay, we gotta plug stuff now. Okay. Uh, let's let's uh first uh well okay Thursday join us here on Live Long and Podcast. For Star Trek, the original series rewatches. Uh, well, starting about uh, just after seven here, uh, we're covering this week the Doomsday Machine. Uh, Jody's going to be out this week, but it's going to be me, Adam, Jeff. Are you there? For what? For the Doomsday uh, for Machine. Thursday, you know original series. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably be there. Yep. That's great. And uh, we're going to be talking about the Doomsday Machine in that original episode, uh, original series episode. I'm sure you're familiar. And Friday, check us out here for Star Trek Radio Theater, our next edition. Michael Chan and Nightingale uh, Nguyen are taking a couple weeks off. They got a couple different projects they're working on. They will be back. Uh, they are just on hiatus. Uh, but in the meantime, we are marching ahead with season one as we bring you our next edition uh, with the next generation's A Matter of Time. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, I think. Uh, this is um, a starring uh, uh, Canadian actor. Sorry, what's his name? I'm trying to remember. Um, I, it will come to me in a moment. But he is a, he's from Honey That Shrunk the Kids and uh, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, he, he's a great, great actor um, and guest star in this episode. Oh, um, uh, Kevin. Um, oh, my gosh. He was Max Hedrum. Yeah, he's um, also in Watchmen. He's been in tons of stuff. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name right now. He's a great actor, uh, but he we, so he he was a guest star in that episode, and he's like he plays a time traveler, uh, a professor from the 26th century, I believe, who's come back in time to observe historical his events. Name's Matt Frewer. Matt Frewer. That's it. Matt Frewer. Sorry, I should remember that. Yeah. Kevin. So I I I'm a big fan of his and uh, and the, and this whole performance. Uh, 
Uh, and so Jeff's going to be playing Jordy LaForge, Worf, and Deanna Troy. I, I'll be playing uh, Data, Beverly Crusher, and Hal Mosley, who's one of these uh, Federation meteorologist scientist guys. Uh, my wife Jane's going to be playing Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Kevin's playing the uh, the, the Matt Frewer part of, uh, of Rasmussen. And Ashley will be a narrator once again and also uh, playing the part of Commander Riker. Ooh. So make sure to check that out Friday night at 9 p.m. here on Live Long and Book Podcast. It. Book it. Book it. Because I don't know, uh, like as we were mentioning earlier, we just did the uh, the, the, the Live Long, the Move Along Home uh, episode from DC's 9. These are getting really good and really fun, uh, especially the edited versions, which are more tighter, I guess, than the live records which sometimes have you know there's sometimes there's a bit of delay though there was the one in particular we had a lot of delay on the live version but the uh the others are the edited version came out really well so i think that's everything check out our other channels as well super Mater brothers podcasting we'll be talking about survivor rewatch seasons when josh foster is done a season of survivor we'll be hopping on there talk about uh survivor we've done Kagiyan and millennials versus gen x so far also check out um which is our the trivial debates, which we do once a month. We just did this on Sunday. Jamil was a participant. I won't get, I won't spoil anything, but we had some great debates on trivial debates. This it was a great Sunday. time. Jeff great was time. the host. Uh, we had Jody and Chris on that one as well. I won't tell you who won, but it was a really fun episode. I think it was episode 42. And that's, that's we always do that on the last Sunday of the month around you know, in the afternoons or so. So anyway, um, I think that, oh, and Knee Jerk Sports. Check out Knee Jerk Sports. Jeff has got his new channel with Adam King uh, for hot takes on uh, current sports events in the Toronto sports scene. Yeah, we will definitely uh, be hopping on uh, when the Leafs finally start playing some meaningful games. They're playing a game tonight against the Habs, and uh, it's not meaningful. It's never <laughs> meaningful with the Leafs. So that channel is sporadic. It's not a scheduled thing. It's when something meaningful has occurred, they will be on to talk about it. <laughs> So, <laughs> good luck. Man. Good luck. So, uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thank you, everybody. Uh, happy birthday, Jamil. Uh, uh, thanks to the Millards, uh, Kevin and Ashley. I think uh, Kevin had to uh, step away. Yeah, to step away. But we thank you, thank you and him for his uh, your participation tonight. And check out all that great stuff I already mentioned. And we'll see you next time. Oh, thank you.